the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Jenna Ellis Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Happy Monday, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis, and there is so much going on in the world today. I know that you are following all of the things going on in Ukraine, probably saw uh, Putin uh, with that statement and that address. Um, you have seen that today is President's Day. Happy President's Day to our favorite president, Donald J. Trump. And of course, we need to, for 2022, take away the P from President's Day and just say happy Residence Day to Joe Biden because he's clearly not competent and probably should just be in a nursing home at this point. So it's happy Residence Day to Joe Biden. But we have to make sure with all of the chaos, all of the crazy in the world, as we're looking at the tensions on the national stage, we're looking at tensions here in the United States, whether it is a a trucker's convoy that is poised to come to D.C. within this next week, or it's the Canadian trucker's convoy that's been there since mid-January and seeing the crazy petty tyranny of Justin Trudeau. We as Christians always have to take a deep breath and look around and say, how do we understand more clearly what the Bible tells us as Christians to do in terms of responsiveness to culture and obviously making sure that we are going on the offensive with the Christian worldview. And what do we mean by that? Well, always fulfilling the Great Commission, which is to go into all of the world and teach the gospel until the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so to that end today, I want to focus on a piece that uh, my friend Megan Basham, who's going to join me later on in the show, wrote that is uh, a lot of major pastors that are now calling out, yes, David French, and it is about time. But first, friends, last year your dollar lost a ton of value. Inflation rose by almost 7% in just one month toward the end of the year. And that means in 30 days, your dollar became 93 cents. Inflation is a silent killer. It is a hidden tax that is felt by everyone. And this administration, yes, the residence day, is only making it worse. Inflation is not slowing down. It's escalating quickly. So gold provides a hedge against inflation and can protect your family's wealth. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust for investing in gold and silver. And they also do a lot of other investments like cryptocurrency. You need to diversify your portfolio. So you have to take this seriously, friends. Oil prices are rising. We've seen supply chain issues, and all of this is going to compound 
are inflation problems. You can trust Legacy Precious Metals because they give you unbiased counsel that is based off of your personal situation. So you can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-528-1903 or download the free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com or call them at 866-528-1903. All right, so this piece in Daily Wire is titled Major Pastors Rebuke David French Over His Repeated Criticism of Churches and Quote-Unquote White Evangelicals. That headline alone should tell you where we're going. But first, just a little bit of background. So I actually know David French. He um, has been, up until a few years ago, a personal friend of mine. Uh, We are both allied attorneys with the Alliance Defending Freedom. He's done a lot of great work in um, the First Amendment religious freedom area and uh, was lauded for quite a while, actually, as one of um, the major main voices for the evangelical community. And, um, and I even remember um, when I was a professor at uh, Colorado Christian University, he came and was speaking and I was so excited to actually meet him because I had followed all of his work at the National Review um, and he was really the one main uh, lawyer there that would write pieces that were so well done. And um, so he has and has had a reputation for being someone who you need to follow. And like a lot of the other voices at National Review, and again, full disclosure, I wrote for the National Review. Um, Jack Fowler, um, who just recently retired from National Review, which was actually really sad for me, um, gave me my first opportunity to write for NRO, which, you know, to me was, um, you know, this is a publication that um, has really been a beacon of conservatism based on its history, um, you know, the same way that Breitbart and Andrew Breitbart's legacy, um, you know, these are kind of these um, these historically grounded, rooted um, elements of the conservative movement in recent American history. Um, you know, recent meaning, you know, like 1950s and beyond, right? So maybe for the past like 80, 90 years. And as we come to our moment in conservative history, we can't just look at where people are at today and discount why they're at the place that they are today and why the history and the legacy matters. Because a lot of people would say, well, you know, why are you spending a whole podcast episode talking about David French? Well, it's really important because the conservative movement used to benefit really greatly from David French's analysis. And I think he's actually a brilliant lawyer. Um, he, when I used to do a radio show out of Denver, Colorado, my, um, you know, my hometown area, um, he was the first guest that I had on and I wanted him to come on. And I was so honored specifically because we talked about religious liberty and how, um, religious liberty is meant for everyone. And the biblical worldview requires that religious freedom requires that the government cannot compel you or me to participate in a specific religion. That's the entire point of religious liberty is that we get to decide for ourselves what we believe about the truth of God. And if the government or any state government uh, has compulsory church attendance laws, um, which, you know, this was the whole hallmark of freedom at our founding, then that would actually contravene um, biblical truth. And that was not something that our founders wanted when they looked at the history of their moment in time. And they looked at what had come before in the whole entire history of England and how 
uh, the state and the king was so intertwined with the Catholic Church and then the Church of England. We remember that history from Henry VIII and the split because he wanted to get um, a divorce and that wasn't allowed by the Catholic Church, so he just started his own. Um, his own church, right? Which in some ways to me is actually kind of funny now to look at um, all the conservatives and, and the leftists that are saying, okay, if you don't like the status quo, just go start your own. Well, Henry VIII was kind of the pioneer of that. But you can do that in a free market and a capitalist society, but you can't do that with truth. You can't just go and say, I don't like the actual truth. So I'm going to go and start my own truth. That's exactly what the leftists are trying to to say is that you have to go and just start your own truth because you don't like what the truth of Christ is. And so we have to, as Christians, always be very careful to make sure that we are looking at what people are saying and doing, whether it's within the church, it's within politics, it's within our social circles, it's within culture, and making sure that we are not just advocating for my opinion, my truth, but advocating for the truth. And it's the truth of God, which is based in the biblical worldview, which is the best explanation of the reality to which we're presented. We all have to answer life's most important questions. Who are we? Why are we here? Where are we going? What is life's purpose? Those big questions will be answered by everyone. And Dr. Jeff Myers, who was on my show last week, if you haven't listened to that episode, absolutely do. His whole point was everyone has a religion. They just may not call it that. But everyone answers those questions and whether or not they answer them truthfully depends on how much they are willing to recognize that, hey, you and I aren't God. There is only one God and his name is Jesus Christ. So, um, so all of that to say, David French used to be um, very much a prolific voice that a lot of people within the conservative uh, political sphere would look to because he was actually willing before a lot of other people to harness um, the cultural requirement for Christians to engage in politics. There is this really bad notion that some, uh, some Christians have championed and have embraced saying, you know what, politics and culture doesn't matter. We just need to make sure that we're teaching the gospel. Now, ultimately, for eternal salvation, the gospel is the only thing that matters. But in order to preserve our ability in our society to, without restraint, teach the gospel and to teach truth, then we have to have the protections of our rights by our government. And so Christians are obligated to participate in society and to participate in government. And a lot of things are very dirty. A lot of things are not, uh, you know, great things to participate in. And that includes politics. But that does not mean that Christians shouldn't participate in politics just because it's dirty. And I mean, this is, we are a fallen nation. We are a fallen um, world. And so we have to make sure that we are teaching the truth in every single sphere. And so just because politics is dirty doesn't give us a license to go and participate in the dirtiness. It, But it also doesn't give us an excuse to retreat from it simply because we're going to have to encounter things that maybe are unpleasant. So... Fast forward all the way to uh, 2016 and and actually 2015 when Donald Trump is now running for president. And David French, like many other conservatives, and at that point, myself included, thought, wait a second, we're not going to support Donald Trump. 
um, there's no way that he's going to be the best conservative candidate. But of course, you know, the, the rest of the story from that point on to 2016, a lot of us ended up changing our viewpoint after we heard what Trump's policies were. And we said, you know, he's going to be the nominee and he's amazing. And we ended up, myself included, voting for Trump in 2016. Some people didn't. They still held out and said, you know what, I just can't. Fine. Everybody can exercise their vote in the manner with which their conscience dictates. And they, and I have opinions on that, but, you know, we'll move that aside for the moment. Um, So they did not vote for Trump, but as he continued in office and they saw his nomination of Justice Gorsuch, they saw him speaking at the pro-life March for Life, they saw all of the things that he's doing in office championing religious liberty, being truly conservative, um, appreciating and loving our Constitution. They saw how much the left was attacking him. There were so many evangelical Christians um, and Catholics who converted to being Trump supporters. And that was a great thing. And they admitted, you know, hey, I, I, I was wrong about Trump. And I respect people who changed their mind. They didn't change their principles. They changed their mind based on new information and based on his track record. Totally fine. David French was not one of them. Like many other people at the National Review, do you remember that cover ahead of the 2016 election that just said, never Trump? That was kind of the the epitome of the movement that just said, I don't care if he's the best president America has ever seen. We are just digging in our heels and we are saying no. That was David French. And that moment, um, which I want to get Megan's perspective on this when she comes on in a little bit, is that moment is where David French started going completely off the rails. And he's now into so many other um, ideas and philosophies that are now championing uh, wokeness, CRT, um, drag queen story time. I mean, a, a lot of different things that you would say, wait a second, this is not even the same guy. And that's where we need to, as Christians, always call out people that maybe they did a great job previously, but now what they stand for is absolutely not based in biblical truth. And it's the same thing on the flip side, right? I mean, when Donald Trump was a Democrat, I wouldn't have supported his views, but people change and he's become a Republican. I personally um, know from him and um, and absolutely believe that he is saved um, and had a conversion experience, and he is now a Christian and uh, and moving forward in a in a Christian life imperfectly, just like me. I'm not a perfect Christian either, but what he's doing now compared to his history years ago is something that we as conservatives can champion because it's solidly within biblical truth. So we always have to be careful not just to go based on someone's track record and history of years ago, but what are they saying now? And don't just take what someone is saying because of who they are and the name that they've made for themselves, um, including Donald Trump, um, including David French, including Jenna Ellis. Don't take what anyone says other than the word of Christ and the word of God. That is the only infallible truth. All of the rest of us are totally fallible. And David French, I think, is the epitome of how someone started off so well and just completely goes off the rails. So this is the piece that Megan wrote. And um, and I want to read some of this um, so that you have the context for this. And I think it was very, very timely because so many people who knew David French 
like me, you know, way back when, have been hesitant to call him out because he was previously such a good advocate for our movement. But I think it's absolutely time that we say, wait a second, dude, you are completely off, you are wrong, and you need to be called out. Just like the GOP. I mean, a lot of people ask me, Jenna, you know, why are you um, why are you going against, you know, in-house fighting and why did you leave the GOP and all of that? Well, the GOP isn't what it once was. When you have the pride movement, you have log cabin Republicans, you have, um, you know, the, this political gerrymandering, you have liars, you have, uh, like Ronna McDaniel, you have um, the GOP that is operating no different from the DNC, where they are actually putting out lies against candidates, Republican candidates that they don't prefer, in order to select and choose the winners in primaries. That's wrong. That is no different from the Democrats who think that they can just pick their winners because they can control them. What makes the GOP then any different from the DNC? We need to call that out. We always have to be solely and only advocates for truth. So Megan's piece, major pastors rebuke David French over his repeated criticism of churches and white evangelicals. So she starts, and she's a reporter, by the way, so this isn't commentary. So she says, for years, decades even, political pundit David French has been a well-respected and frequently cited voice in Protestant circles, often held forward as the representative of evangelicalism on cable news and in major media outlets. This was especially true when he was on staff at the conservative journal, The National Review, like what I said. Recently, though, his criticism of fellow believers over their support of Donald Trump, skepticism of government COVID-19 policies, and rejection of racial ideologies derived from critical race theory has more and more well-known pastors cautioning that French's writing lacks discernment and Christian charity. In dozens of essays over the last two years, French has roundly decried what he views as the sins of white evangelicals. While some of his writing has appeared in large mainstream publications like The Atlantic and Time Magazine, most of his criticism is delivered in his quote-unquote Sunday Essays, which is a weekly op-ed that French publishes via The Dispatch on, uh, on the day that Christians set aside for worship and fellowshipping as local church communities. The tendency of the articles to spark dissension and arguments between Christians on what is known as the Lord's Day has become something of a running joke on social media. As Pastor Stephen Wedgworth, a columnist for the evangelical outlet World Magazine, quipped, quote, the fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy was given in part to spare you from bad Sunday columns, unquote. It's easy to see why French's views of his brethren receive such a pointed reaction, given that he often charges them with COVID conspiracy mongering, racism, and being motivated by a desire to depend, defend their white supremacist power. Promoting his most recent piece in which he warned against a small fringe Christian group who believe in the believe the 2020 election was stolen, French asked, quote, where are America's most dangerous political radicals? His answer wasn't found in Black Lives Matter, Antifa or Islamic splinter cells. Rather, he said they are, quote, rallying in churches by the thousands in city after city, in church after church, unquote. It is opining like this that led Reverend Kevin DeYoung, who has praised French in the past, to charge him with indulging in sustained white evangelical hatred. DeYoung is a well-respected Protestant figure, 
thanks not only to his leadership of a large Presbyterian church in Charlotte, North Carolina, but also due to a number of books he's authored and his role on the counselor council of the popular reformed publication, The Gospel Coalition. And in an opinion addressing the frequency of French's attacks on white American Christians, in particular, de Young noted, French's essays have the same head-shaking you people vibe that prompted the deplorables to embrace Trump in the first place. It's one thing to object to an idea or a set of propositions, he said. It's an, another thing to object to a class of people. Even if French is right, and evangelicals should not have supported or voted for Trump, and evangelicals should not be skeptical about many of the COVID pro protocols, there is little sympathy for trying to understand why evangelicals might have behaved in these ways. There's no persuasion, only pique and annoyance. French did not take the rebuke well. In a fiery Twitter thread, he dismissed the pastors as not possessing any policy expertise. And you should go and read the rest of the piece, um, which then French attacked um, my good friend, Eric Metaxas, who, of course, is one of the other hosts on the Salem uh, radio network and podcast network. And um, and I've known Eric and his wife, Susanna's, you know, dear friends um, for probably five or six years. And, you know, well before um, I came on to the Salem family. And for French to attack Christians simply because there are policy differentiations and because he doesn't think that there is a Christian case for Donald Trump is simply attacking people for saying, you aren't educated as well as me. You don't know as well as me. He's not biblically basing any of this. He's simply saying, I speak for the evangelical community and you are wrong. And so go through and read this because it is a really fascinating piece that shows why David French um, really starts off with Trump as the basis of his ire toward the evangelical community who did vote for and embraced Donald Trump and had the perspective, like I do, that no politician is going to be perfect, but we need to each individually exercise our vote and our right to vote in this country in the best way possible. And in 2016, and of course in 2020, my vote for Donald Trump was absolutely the best way that I can exercise my vote as an American citizen. And people can disagree with that. That's fine. That's not a matter of biblical truth. I don't think that it is a sin to vote or not to vote for Donald Trump or to vote or not to vote for another candidate. That becomes an interesting question when you say, is it a sin to vote for someone like Joe Biden, who is very uh, pro-choice and whose policies will lead to sin and murder? Well, that becomes an interesting question and quite possibly. So on the flip side then, to not vote for the candidate who is protecting not just freedom and liberty and some of the policies that we would prefer, but actually biblical truth and the mandate of government, if we aren't exercising our vote actually to help stop the candidate that would do all of the evil in government and perpetuate all of that, is that a sin? That's a very valid question. And I think that based on the Bible, not just my opinion, but based on biblical truth, we have to be good stewards of everything that God has given us, including our vote. So for the people like David French, he has gone so far off the rails and so much in a way that is not biblically sound and he's not even arguing from a biblical premise that we need to call him out. We always need to call out anyone regardless of what they've done in the past, what they're doing now, what their reputation has been, anything, and make sure that we are taking every idea 
or story that they have and comparing that to the truth of the word of God. So Megan Basham is going to join me in just a moment to talk more about this article and why it's important that we call out people like David French. But first... I also want to talk about my good friend, Mike Lindell. He has been canceled out of so many box stores for simply standing up for his own political opinion and disagree or not, uh, or support him or not. It is a fundamental right of every American to be able to voice their opinion. And that absolutely includes politics. That absolutely includes uh, issues that are central to our culture. That includes faith. Uh, Mike is such a very sincere Christian, and I am proud to consider him a friend. And he is, of course, a friend of this show. So right now, there is a special on MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including a great towel set, which is a six-piece set. It includes two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths, made in the USA, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99, but you have to use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. That tells Mike that you listen to this show. You're happy that he is uh, a sponsor of this show, and you will get great, great discounts, but use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A, either at MyPillow.com or call one 800 564 8475 and use the promo code Jenna. And joining me now is one of the newest, most prolific writers, I think, in the best edition to Daily Wire this year, Megan Basham, who wrote this incredible piece um, that is really, I think, timely, Megan, and needed to be said and very significant. So uh, walk me through what led you to writing this piece and the reaction that it's gotten. Well, you know, I started working on this piece as I've been doing a lot of reporting on the evangelical world and some of the debates within the evangelical world. Obviously, the name David French came up a lot. Um, And part of the reason is because French is very popular uh, as someone to cite in The Atlantic, in The New York Times, in The Washington Post. You see him sort of held out um, as an expert in evangelicalism, in the theological beliefs of evangelicals and, uh, well, quite frankly, the problems with the evangelicals. So I started looking around at the people who were lauding him, and those are the people that were frequently reported on in the mainstream media. What you didn't hear so much about was the criticism that David French often receives. And he writes these, uh, speaking of prolific, very prolific Sunday essays. They come out once a week. And I just happened to notice that that on social media, they always seem to cause quite a stir and quite a lot of upset. Also, a lot of people sort of thumping on them as, look, you Trump supporters, you white evangelicals, you need to be listening to David French. So it just seemed worth examining, okay, what do some other um, Christian intellectuals have to say about David French and his ideas? Because the perception is, is that he is sort of universally revered and respected And I felt like it was probably time to offer some corrective to that perspective. Yeah, and I think it was very timely because for those who don't know the history of David French, I think that was true um, probably, you know, five or six years ago that he was one of the more prolific voices in the evangelical community um, and was still going on places like MSNBC and CNN and actually getting some interviews and putting out an evangelical perspective into the mainstream media. But then everything changed with Donald Trump. Like so many other uh, voices and people, really the root of what we truly believe um, was outed for a lot of people um, amid uh, the 2016 and then the 2020 campaign of Donald Trump. And for David French, it just seems like 
he could not get over the fact that Trump actually did a really great job, was pro-life, championed evangelicals, and could not, from almost this really uh, pious perspective, admit that an imperfect person who has a lot of things in his past, like, you know, frankly, we all do, and no Christian, I mean, if anyone looked at my life, I'm not the perfect example of a Christian, but um, but hopefully I'm continuing on in my progressive sanctification, my journey, and my faith in the Lord, and especially for public office, um, if I were ever the president, I hope that I would be just as great as Donald Trump in the ways of supporting um, religious liberty, supporting pro-life, supporting all those things, and so there seemed to be this odd tension with David French that he just couldn't get over the fact that Trump was actually doing a great job. And you sort of saw that path and that moment where people like Eric Erickson, um, people, you know, other people who had been um, dissenters of Trump, once he started doing some great things, then said, you know what, I was wrong about Trump. But David French dug in his heels and he's now become almost the leftist mantra of pointing and saying, look at David French, who claims to speak for evangelicals, but he's actually really woken on our side. So we're going to pretend that he is on our side when he's really not. So what do you make of that sort of, I guess, transition and that path over the last five or six years? No, I think you have stated it exactly correct, Jenna. Uh, That has been his progression. And I think that he sort of survived for a long time based on those sort of bona fides from National Review and from his time writing over at outlets like that. And he's very much changed since he started his own um, publication, The Dispatch. And I think one of those things you brought up, I mean, it's sort of a cliche, but people say, oh, Donald Trump broke David French. (laughs) But in in a real sense, you go, he cannot seem to look at or dissect or analyze any political or cultural issue anymore without reference to Donald Trump. I mean, it was sort of interesting to go, here you have Donald Trump, who is someone who pushed through the vaccines, who was responsible for the very quick rollout of the vaccines, who has supported the vaccines publicly, and yet he still seems to tie a resistance or a hesitation or even just a delay in getting vaccinated with Donald Trump. That was strange. Same thing with masks, same things. You just saw it with the truckers in Canada, and you went... I'm having a hard time understanding what Donald Trump has to do with the truckers in Canada. And it became this thing that he had been so lauded by the left and by these progressive intellectual publications that I I think I'm reading the tea leaves here, but maybe there is a bit of a desire to continue to receive those accolades. And so he continues punching right almost exclusively. And that was really kind of what, so the pastoral voices that I highlighted in this report, people like Al Mohler, people like Carl Mm -hmm. Truman, Kevin DeYoung, really well-respected theologians and pastors and professors who said, look, politics is a messy business. Voting is often a compromised business, but you had these purity tests where if you did not align with the Frenchian, let's say, point of view, you weren't just a Christian with a different point of view. You you were in sin. You were somehow lacking spiritual maturity. And I think that was the point where these pastors said, you go too far, and someone needs to speak up and say, look, this is not great for the church. This is sowing divisiveness, and um, it's time someone said something. 
Absolutely. And I think that um, where I've seen the Frenchyism or Frenchism or, you know, all of these other uh, monikers now of the David French sort of movement um, that that began really as anti-Trump has now morphed into this more progressive era of now he's gone fully woke in a lot of ways and is saying, you know, that now we need to, as white evangelical Christians, um, have buy into this collective guilt mentality. And, you know, many different positions that Christians and, of course, the theologians that you just referenced would say are actually anti-biblical. And so it was fascinating. I was talking to um, a good friend, a mutual friend of ours, Ryan Helfenbein, who's been on this show. He's the um, the director of the Standing for Freedom Center. And, you know, we have this group chat and, and always talk. And he made um, the observation that said, you know, this is an example and a key example with David French of how someone can start out so well, but if you take just one step off of the straight and narrow path, you can, in just a few years, get really, really off. And not to say that, you know, he, it was only because of Donald Trump. He said, I think, I think the Donald Trump broke David French is kind of a tongue in cheek sort of thing, but that was really where it started. And if we don't, as Christians, make sure that we are always uh, contrasting our views and uh, and making sure that we are contrasting them from anti-biblical thought and we're making sure to keep everything, whether it's political thought or um, our family life or church life or anything, we have to have it rooted squarely within scriptural bounds. Otherwise, it's really easy to get off um, with that. And so what has been some of the other reaction, Megan, that you've seen from um, some of the wider evangelical community to David French? Well, you know, I think um, a large thrust of this piece was um, how much of this stems from just an unwillingness to receive any sort of correction or to say about any of these issues, you know, maybe I misspoke. Um, one of the points that has really become a point of contention is his what seems to a lot of people uh, dismissal of the uh, issue of drag queen story hours and LGBT incursion in education in schools. And a lot of people said, wow, okay, if anything should be just a very clear-cut biblical issue, something like that should. And I I find it interesting that he seemed to have an unwillingness to say, you know what, I I didn't really clarify there. I may have not spoken well. And just again and again on these issues, when you have pastors who are not known for being super political, who aren't known for being um, fiery, who aren't known for being sort of uh, gunslingers saying, listen, I I think it's time that you stop this, just that unwillingness to receive correction. And we all need it, right? We all Mm -hmm. have moments where we, uh, our mouths run ahead of our hearts and where our hearts and minds should be grounded in scripture. You know, the flesh speaks sometimes. And so I think that that is part of the frustration. But just today, Carl Truman had an excellent column out in the evangelical magazine, World Magazine, that spoke about all this that just said, Part of the issue here is this unwillingness to say that someone could make different voting decisions than you and different electoral decisions than you and still be a Christian brother in good standing and not any less spiritually mature than you. So I I thought that was a great piece. Um, I recommend everyone go take a look at it because I just read it this morning. As a good counterpoint to my piece, they kind of go well together. Uh, So I did the hard reporting. Carl kind of brings a lot of... um, philosophical context to what the argument is about. And I think it's going to be ongoing. You know, I think there's also this point now where some pastors are going, should we stop paying attention to David French? Do we give him too much air? Except 
the problem is you continue to have him highlighted in mm -hmm. the media. I mean, he was just highlighted in a piece in the New York Times by David Brooks about saving evangelicals from themselves. And it cast people like David French and some of those like him, like former ERL, ERLC head Russell Moore, as the saviors of evangelicalism. And so I think it's a little hard to go, well, you can't just say, let's just stop paying attention because the mainstream media is going to continue to highlight these critics who present themselves as being well within mainstream evangelicalism as the representatives of evangelicalism. So I think that's the difficulty. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I'm a little torn on that. I wrote the piece anyway because I went, I think it's time that we have it on record what some other pastoral voices are saying. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do get that critique that, you know, maybe we should just not listen anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's true. I think there is a balance because in one sense, you don't really want to amplify him. But at the same time, and the reason that I'm so glad that you came on the show and we are talking about it is because we also as Christians need to always call out uh, whether it's it's out and out heresy or it's just bad theology or it's bad views or things that don't actually represent not just evangelicalism, but truly the Christian worldview and the Bible. And so when you have someone who is prominent like that, who continues to claim that he speaks for the true evangelical community and is lauded by all of these leftists, that should give us as Christians pause to say, wait, why are all of these New York Times writers, MSNBC and CNN, bringing this guy on to speak for us. Well, maybe because they know that he's saying something that they like, and he's actually condemning Christians for not buying into uh, the CRT movement. He's actually saying, you know, we shouldn't be Trump supporters. We shouldn't engage in politics. Um, all of these things, you know, even like, like you mentioned, the drag queen story time stuff. I mean, there is the First Amendment protections, and I get that. And David French is a lawyer. Um, and so, you know, he and I have had some pretty heated Twitter discussions on various things. Um, but, you know, we always have to make sure that when you have the left that's saying, oh, we're very interested in hearing from this person and agreeing with them, then maybe that should cause us to think, do we actually agree with his viewpoint? And is he actually saying something that we can um, champion and that we can agree with? And so I am always a fan of saying, okay, it's not to prop him up or to draw attention to him, but to actually call him out for his bad theology and his bad viewpoints so that other people aren't led astray. And, um, and so I think that it is more than time to actually call him out and also for anyone in the mainstream media to be very clear that he is someone that doesn't speak at least for the Christian worldview in those aspects. I'm certainly not commenting, and I know, you know, you, Megan, wouldn't comment on um, his actual salvation. You know, I don't know what his right. personal walk with the Lord is like, but at least as it's being represented in terms of the fruit of his life, that is not representative of the Bible and the biblical worldview. And we as Christians do need to call that out because we have a standard. It's not just whether I agree with David French. It matters whether or not my view or his view or anyone's view agrees with Christ. And we should always, always contrast everything with the standard of Christ and say, are we in keeping with the truth? It's not my truth versus your truth. It's simply the truth. So right. I applaud you for bringing um, out these stories. And um, tell me more also about what you're working on with Daily Wire. I think you are, you are rapidly becoming one of the most prolific voices, and you're such an excellent reporter over at Daily Wire. So um, where can people find you? What are you working on, and how can they follow you? Well, thank you. Um, 
Well, you can find me obviously at the Daily Wire, and mm -hmm. uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Meg Basham. And if, if you go to the Daily Wire, you will see uh, a little tab with my name, and you can read all my articles. And uh, I, you, I also pop up fairly frequently on the Daily Wire YouTube channel. And now once a month on Andrew Clavin's show. So um, I, yeah, I was very excited that Andrew invited me to come on regularly to be a culture reporter for him. And I love Andrew Clavin. So that was just a dream come true. Yes, that is fantastic. And you know, he actually gave me the first opportunity um, to be on his show, which was the first connection with Daily Wire. And I, I think he's fantastic. And he only has on really really great smart women when he right. brings us on. Yeah. So that is definitely a great thing with Drew. And I love him and look forward to hearing you more on his show. So thanks so much, Meg, for your insights. And I always try to amplify uh, Meg's pieces as well, but definitely follow her on Twitter, um, read the pieces over at Daily Wire. And I think it's important for people to read all of these perspectives and gain more information. Don't just listen to this show or just uh, read David French or just, you know, read anyone's viewpoint. That's where we always have to go first and foremost to the foundation of biblical truth. And then, you know, we can figure out how to think more biblically, but don't just take my analysis for it. Absolutely make sure that you're always grounded in scripture. So, um, so thanks Meg for the work that you're doing. I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, before I go, you know, friends, that I talk a lot about faith, family, and freedom like today's show, and we all know that the fight is on to preserve those things for America, and that's why I'm asking you to join me in being a member of AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. A subscription to AMAC is only $16 a year, and your membership is not only good for America, it's really good for you, too, because AMAC members receive countless benefits and discounts while also having their values represented in Washington, D.C. So AMAC carries your concerns straight to Capitol Hill with the AMAC Action Advocacy Team, reminding our leaders that we stand for faith, family, and freedom. With 2.3 million other AMAC members nationwide, we can all fight to save the America we love. So join AMAC today by going to amac.us forward slash Ellis. If you've already joined AMAC, make sure to renew your subscription because America needs you. So join today and unite your voice with millions of other freedom-loving Americans. Go to amac.us forward slash E-L-L-I-S today and know that you have done something really good for America and especially today on President's Day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.